Welcome back to the Cheap Heat Productions podcast. Okay, welcome back to the show, and today I'm joined by a man that you will all know from the acting world, martial arts, voiceovers, a man of many talents, Master Daniel Pessina. How are you today, man? Pretty good, mate. How, how's it going over there? All good, all good, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. We're going to have a blast. Yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a good time. Well, I'll try answer you. I'll try ask you questions that you've never answered before. Okay. And of, and, and of course, ones that you answer all the time and are sick of answer. No, never get sick of it because it never, you know, never gets old. Uh, when I get questions, the same, sometimes the same questions, it's always different persons. So they're looking for a different connection. So yeah, you know, yeah. yeah cool stuff. Yeah. Stuff just stuff. a little, <laughs> nice start. <laughs> just a, a little bit about yourself growing up, um, where you grew up and how you got into the martial arts at a young age. I believe it was through your family. Yes, uh, I am from Chicago, Illinois, USA, uh, which is the Midwest. It's right in the middle of the country where I am right. Actually, uh, I am literally a stone throw away from one of the Great Lakes, you know, which was carved out by a glacier. But uh, back in the day, way before my time, even though I'm pretty old, I'm not that, that old. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, there was an old black and white TV show called Charlie Chan, The Detective. Uh, all the old people will probably, it'll sound familiar, younger people, not so much. But uh, during one of the episodes, I saw a guy, throw uh, Charlie Chan, the, the main character, throw another guy with a judo throw. And I was like, holy cow, I have two older brothers and one younger brother. The younger brother is, is Raiden. And the two older brothers are much older than me. So I d used to do the little brother thing, meaning... I had to throw out the garbage. When it was time to, for them to throw out the garbage, they would make me throw out the garbage. They would make uh -huh. me do the dishes. I had to do, uh, and when they're sitting there, I had to change the channel because there was no remote controls back in those days yet. And so I got to do all the grunt work. So when I saw this throw, I was like, man, if I learned this, I could defend myself against my older brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how the journey basically, you know, began, you know, for me seeking revenge. Yeah. So your brothers weren't into martial arts at all then, were they? Or was it just yourself? Well, uh, my two older brothers took it for like a month, but it didn't resonate with them. Okay. You know, when you think when my dad, finally, when I bugged my dad long enough to take me for lessons, that he thought that he was like, he's going to be like his brothers. And, you know, years later, one time he told me, he was just like, he goes, well, I thought you were going to just do it a month or two and just drop out. He goes, I never thought that it would be you know, at that time, it was shortly after we created Mortal Kombat. So he was just like, I didn't think that, you know, 
over 20 years later, you'd be still be doing this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, yeah. So it was crazy. And what was it about martial arts that took your heart and just took your passion? I, uh, well, I started out with judo because at the time that I started martial arts in 1969, there were really no children's class. My yeah. dad, my dad uh, when he took me to the judo and karate jujitsu school, the guy looked at me. He was like, we don't take them until they're 14. And my dad's like, oh, he's 14. And, but, you know, my, uh, uh, my dad looking around the office, oh, you served in the military. I served in the military. You know, so mm -hmm. they both served in the army. This, oh, this, though, you know, one was, uh, you know, my dad served during the Korean War. And this guy was clearly more like Vietnam War uh, mm -hmm. era. They, they, the guy was like, he looked at me and he's like, okay, let's say he's 14. And let's just see how he does. But I was only uh, 10 years old. <laughs> was, that, was that a matter of respect, do you think, between your father and the trainer? Yeah, I think it was yeah. a, matter, a matter of like, oh, you know, they both, you know, being in the military, you know what your son is capable yeah. of. Things like that. And I'm going to send that. So there was no kid classes. And I would train with the teenagers, basically. You know, so. And two, judo is an art, you know, the way the guy did it, the judo was an art where you use your opponent's body weight and things like that. And uh, so the the train, you would do the throw over and oh, you would do the movement before the throw so many times, and then you'd get to add the throw. So you're literally in one day, you're doing the movement like a throw a hundred times without throwing. And then the last 10 times you get to throw and you got to learn how to fall. And it was very much what attracted me was, even though you train with a bunch of people, it's really about you and only you. You know, having my older brothers, uh, my older brother Tony is six years older than me and my older brother Ruben's eight years older than me. So a lot of times I would just play by myself. You know, sure, I had friends in the neighborhood, but you know, it was back in those days, six o'clock, you come in, you can't go out after, after yeah. time, you know, because again, you're young. So they, they kept an eye on you a little bit differently. Yeah. How long did it take you to start throwing your brothers around then? I never got to throw my brothers around. No, no, <laughs> no, but that, because again, it, it, by the time I was pretty good, it was like four or five years, you know? Yeah. So, and by that time they were, you know, in high school and in college and I did not get to throw them because they were cool. You know, yeah, they, you weren't, you weren't the slave anymore. Yeah. I wasn't the slave anymore. You know, uh, my brothers would like, you know, my brother would buy me comic books and stuff like that. So, you know, they were treating me like a little brother as opposed yeah. to just like, uh, you know, uh, the uh, remote control on the TV. Yeah. Uh, when, when you fast forward a little bit, you go to 1991 from there, you're on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. How did that role come about for you? Um, it was, I was at a tournament here in the U.S. called Battle of Atlanta. It's one of the biggest tournaments in North America. Yeah. And they were looking, we heard they were, I was there with uh, Ho Sung, the guy who plays Liu Kang, who also was Raphael and the Turtles, and okay. Rich Divizio, who's Kano. So we were hanging out, competing at this tournament, and we were like, hey, if if we get approached about this movie, because they're looking for people, we speak up for the other other people and say, hey, you, have you taken a look at this guy? You know, hey, my friend, you know, he's pretty good too. Mm -hmm. So they approached Ho Sung. And Hosung was like, oh, you got to take a look at, you know, Daniel. You got to really take a look at him. He's really, really good. So then they approached me and then we went down to, uh, they didn't tell us the movie until we went down. Uh, I went out to North Carolina, which is a ways away from Chicago. 
and uh, did the audition there, you know, the physical audition, because they're watching us compete at a tournament, but they have to see the inner, uh, more interaction, how you're going to stunt fight. Yeah. You know, because stunt fight is totally different than really fight, fighting. You know, you got to have some control. Nobody, you know, you can't hurt, be hurting a person who yeah. needs to get replaced and you got to retrain somebody. And it's like complicated stuff. Yeah. So, you know, when I showed up there, then they told me it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. And I had like some of the earlier uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja comic books at home. So I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was geeking out. Yeah, you were you were a fan of the franchise before that. And even if if you look back on it now, it still kind of stands the test of time, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It just came out with, uh, you know, the last Ronin. Yeah. Yeah, cool stuff. Yeah. And when you look back on that experience in the Turtles, like, does it still resonate into your into your life every so often through fan conventions and things like that? Yeah, I think even more than that, because, you know, those are, you know, sometimes some of the guys call me up like Hosung or or uh, or or Rich, who I talk to like a lot, will yeah. call me up and be like, hey, remember when, when Turtles, when we were doing this? And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was so crazy. You know, uh, or it's because, again, you're, you're young, you're doing that. And uh, and, you know, one time we. I had the crazy idea to take my little Jeep on the beach and park it yeah. on the beach because I thought it was cool and they would let you do that. But little did I know, little did I think about, oh, the, the sand is going to get wet and then your Jeep gonna is going to into the sand yeah. and yeah. you're going to get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to get all your friends to try to push you out. You know, and how crazy. And my friends are Luke Kang and Kano trying to push my little Jeep out of the sand. <laughs> did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, and that happened, yeah. you know. So, and I'm just like, man, I was just a knucklehead. We didn't think about that. He was like, no, we were just having fun on the beach because we can't do that. Like in the city that I'm in, in Chicago, we have a beach, but you can't drive on the beach, you know. Yeah. And that you can, you know. So those just little crazy yeah. things like that come up yeah. once in a while. Did that movie open your eyes into the entertainment world? Because obviously you've done a lot since then. But was it something that you ever thought about getting into, or did you have any prior movie experience before that film? No prior movie experience in that film, except for when we were, when I was younger, a friend of mine wanted to do a project where he was going to direct a Kung Fu movie. Okay. And that friend was John Tobias, who is the creator of Mortal Kombat. Right. Yeah. So that's all kind of came full circle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back when we were, we were younger, he wanted to do that. I know the, uh, the manager or the the uh, the uh, business end of the franchise is Ed Boon, who's in charge of it before, but he is not. You know, he wasn't the guy who create really created the idea or or that he was. He's the boss, so naturally yeah. the boss gets credit for everything. You know, of course. Uh, you know, as he should. He's the boss. Yeah. He's, he's the one who says yes or no. You know, to money you're making or big decisions. So you know, if, yeah. if he makes a wrong decision, he's going to get in trouble. So yeah. And how did you become involved in the Mortal Kombat franchise then? So then after that, when I was done with the Turtle movie, John Tobias called me up and he's like, hey, congratulations on Turtle. He goes, I, he goes, you know, I just know you for a while. And I, when I watch it, I could see when you're in it. You know, we're dressed in these suits. So that way I can take a hit here 
and then magically be over here when the camera turns and I can take another hit because it, uh, though though there's a lot of foot soldiers, there's only a limited amount of ones who take the action. You yeah. know, the yeah, stone so, doctors. Yeah, the, yeah, those, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, that was my one of my primary jobs. You know, I think I'm on almost every fight scene in that in the in the second movie. Uh, so anyway, John was like, just like, hey, remember when we did that movie that uh, the uh, that movie for school? And I was like, yeah. And then uh, you know, he goes, I have that idea, and I want to. I work for a video game company, and I want to do a fighting game, but I want it to be real. Mm -hmm. Like the guy that you're going to be, uh, you couldn't help me do it. You're going to be like, you know, providing the action. You could think of what moves, you know, you can help me design this thing and we're going to make it look like a Kung Fu movie. So it, it came out different than we originally thought just because of technology, you know, we yeah. thought we could do one thing, but then we couldn't do that. And we did another thing. And he's like, will you help me, you know, pitch the game to, to midway and so i was like he was like i'll let you do whatever put in whatever idea you want and you can help me create this game and so i was like oh this sounds really cool you know it's a video game it's going to be i'm going to be in a video yeah. game so yeah. i was just like okay we can do that so we put together a package of, of uh fighting and forms you know martial art kata whatever whatever your style however they say say that forms and and fighting and we presented that package to uh, Ed Boon and Midway. And originally they said no, you know, mm -hmm. that they were going to, they liked the idea of a fighting game and they're going to pursue one with John claude Van Damme. So, right. you know, so that was, everybody thinks that uh, Mortal Kombat is inspired by John claude Van Damme, but really that was, in my opinion, the first idea because, you know, why would I need to create a fighting reel and kind of all this stuff of what a fighting game would look like if they already had an idea for a fighting game? Yeah. Yeah, so it's just yeah, so yeah, so they said no to that, but then Van Dam said no to them, and then they came back to us and said, "We're going to let you do two hundred arcade cabinets," and that's okay. how it started. Yeah, and what what was the process like? Because did you work in a big team then, or was it just a couple of you guys at the time? And what kind of work did you have to do in terms of? getting the voices down and getting the moves down. And did you coordinate a lot of the moves? So, uh, John was like, uh, uh, Tobias was like, Hey, we have to create a pathway to the game. Every character is going to be a little bit different, but we have to make some general because it's a video game and there's going to, you know, the, the everything is limited. So we're going to have to design that. So him and I were in a room for, eight hours a day for five or six days just recording martial art moves we set up uh john tobias's dad's camera that's the camera we use for mortal kombat one his dad's home camera and what he was just the first thing he said to me was like do something cool and so i just started doing martial art moves and he was like okay high medium low let's get organized and do high medium low and we just worked on it worked on that stuff when we were done creating that thing we erased those tapes to make room to tape over them to save money for the for the yeah. next thing. So it was like it was it's craziness. So really, yeah. you know, I got to design though. So John was like, I like that move. I let I kind of steered him. You know, he was like, I let he was like in the end, after about three days, like 
three days of filming. So that, you know, that is close to 24 hours of filming. He was like, you know what? Uh, uh, literally at the beginning, I, I don't know if we're, we're going to be visual, but, you know, we'd have a punch like this. And then I tilt it a little bit and punch like this. And then I'd punch like this. And then I'd over punch like that just to see what it would look like on camera. And if we can use that thing. And we did that for all these different hand positionings, kung fu. You know, so yeah. we were doing like kicking and punching and trying to throw and trying to do falling different ways. You know, I had in my head where each move, each movement, you would have a different fall. So yeah. it was going to be really, really complicated game that looked like a, a like a film. Yeah. And also, was, yeah. So it was like, it, it was, and two, when we're doing it on concrete, I'm doing flips and falls landing on my back on concrete. Wow. You know, just to do that. And, you know, eventually I was like, John, I don't think the rest of the guys that, you know, because he was like, who else can we get for this game? Who else would work for free or cheap? And I was like, oh, yeah. my friends will do it. So I was like, you know what? You're not paying these guys that much. They're not going to be wanting to flip on the concrete like I'm doing, man. They're, this is like hard work. You're going to have to get some mats, crash mats, because this, yeah. like, this is like, you know, I'm waking up sore. You know, and but it's cool because you're designing a, uh, you're you're in this this atmosphere where you're really, you know, it's just John and I. Yeah, and we're just trying to get enough ideas together to approach a programmer to see if we can program this. Yeah. Did you ever think, looking back on it now, that it would be so huge? Like it's it's one of the most iconic games like of all time. Actually, no, because in the end, uh, when we were when they said that. They told me we're going to do two because Van Damme, we're not Van Damme. So they're not going to let us make as many games as we want. They said, yeah. you're going to do 200 games. And I was like, if you do 201 game and give me a game, I will let you make as many games as you want. And Ed was like, no, because we're only making 200 games and that's it. This project is small and that's just the way it's going to be. And he's the boss. So I was like, you know, but when we were done, they pre-sold 10,000 games. So, yeah. but I always thought because, you know, when we were pitching the game to, to Ed, I was like, you know, to make this game really unique, we have to change the Japanese ninjas into the Lin Kuei. And then John was like, what's that? And so I told him all about the folklore of the Lin Kuei and how nobody has really done it in mainstream. Uh, you know, nobody heard of the Lin Kuei up to, up to them. So I was like, oh, it's a whole mythology. They're Chinese ninjas and, you know, it's mysticism and alchemy with martial arts so you know when you know when we're throwing fireballs and things like that we have a base for it you know so there would be actually be a folklore about it, it wasn't just like oh you're going to throw a fireball no we're embracing the chinese mythology to to be in this game so you know uh you know i changed the way they look into basically what they what the scorpion sub-zero look like uh in the game and today so you know, I got to throw, you know, all these little things in there, all these, you know, yeah. hey, contribute to everything. Is it something that you definitely look back on with pride, considering how kind of revolutionary it was at the time because of technology? Like, they, they, it was nowhere near as advanced as what you can do now. Yeah, I really was. Because, again, we wanted to look more like a, like a movie, too. It was, there was a problem. We had to solve it right there and then. Yeah. You know, we had a example is, you know, when we're when I was jumping, you know, somebody's going to do a sweep kick and you're going to jump over the kick. OK, I jump. Oh, guess what? We don't have we don't have lighting, professional lighting. So when I jump, the top of my head gets darker. Don't jump. So, yeah. high. 
Don't okay. jump so high. So I jump lower. He goes, but when the foot comes through, it's going to pass through your foot like a ghost because you got to tuck your foot. And so I was like, John, you want me to float because I got to <laughs> jump low, not too high. And then I got to tuck my legs and then I got to land in the fighting position. And then he starts laughing and I'm like, man, how are we going to do this? And so I looked around and I was like, I saw a staircase that we're using for a different game. I think it was one, uh, they were using it for a different game. I was like, can we use that? And John is like, hey, we can use a chair. And I was like, yeah, but a chair is going to look like you're sitting in a chair where see the way the staircase is shaped. We can put use the corner of it and it will look like you're actually jumping and doing the kick and different movements. So that way it doesn't look like we're using a chair. Mm -hmm. You know, once you cut out that staircase, it will look like the actual jump, you know, yeah. because, because when you're, when you're holding balance, your, your body kind of tightens in a certain way, as opposed to when you're sitting in your chair, you're you lower your back and your part of your butt is relaxed because you're sitting in a chair, even if you pick your legs up, you know? Yeah. So I was like, this will make it look more, more real and more action. So, you know, even the, that idea that you still use in the games today. So, yeah. yeah. So like you, you had to use a lot of like improvisation and you just use what resources you had back then to do it. Yeah. 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 We didn't have a, we didn't have a budget. The costume came from my wardrobe, my own wardrobe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The light, the lighting that we used, we used ceiling lights and John and I went around and took desk lights from desks to try to get some lighting in there. And then after we were done, we'd try to put them back to the, yeah. so, would, so the people would come in and have their, their, their the lights. Yeah. Because we would try to shoot later on in the afternoon when nobody was around because he didn't mm -hmm. really, he wanted to keep everything a little bit more private, you know, so he can yeah. yeah. keep control of the game, you know, because yeah. it was his vision. So you dabbled into like a lot of acting roles then after that game and things like that. But what do you do now in your daily life? martial arts a lot of martial yeah. arts yeah you've yeah, got I your love... own you've got your own place now haven't you yeah uh, yeah i teach i teach uh i spend my free time either watching horror movies or uh or researching martial arts stuff just looking at things or practicing myself it, it you know i don't really play any other sports even though i enjoy uh you know watching wrestling or mm -hmm. or mma i like enjoy watching that or you know even a little bit of the olympics or, but i really you know, try to get my free time either relaxing really or, or doing martial arts. So eh, yeah. I'm a geek. I'm a martial arts geek. <laughs> and how many classes would you do a week in Chicago? Man, the classes maybe maybe twenty a, a week. But you know, well, two, I'm kind of old school where I work out with my students. No, I don't say, okay, do this. If they're gonna do a hundred, I'm gonna do a hundred. If they're okay. going to do that, I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? Heck, I'm going to do more because I want to, because my ego, I want to be better than anybody. So <laughs> we'll practice more than, than them. You know what I mean? And, there, and, yeah, it's tough. There's no one going to come to your school and show you up then. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, they might be able to do better flips than I am because I'm older now, you know. But, you know, I have, but I, uh, uh, fortunately I have, you know, footage of me doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So I could be like, yeah, I used to do that, but now, but look at me now, you know, and let's see. And if you can do the same thing in 30, 40 years. Yeah, exactly. Would a lot of your students that would come in, would they have known you previously from things you've done or would they, 
you know, would they have known who you are or would they just come in and then after a while they realize who you are maybe? Um, a, a few. I still have a lot of students who've been with me like a long time who have been many years exploring because again, I, I studied a lot. So, you know, the depth of training increases because, you know, of me practicing every day. So I understand the technique you know, I elevate the understanding of the technique and I elevate the way, oh, if you're going to, if the guy's going to punch like this, you're going to do this. But if the punch turns a, a, even a fraction of an inch, now it's, you're going to do something com- almost completely different. Yeah. You know, so all of a sudden they're exploring all this stuff. Like a lot of, uh, a lot of my students have, you know, black belts in different martial arts, mm-hmm. you know, so they're, they too, because all the martial arts for me are the same. You know, you can only hold a fist correctly in all styles. Otherwise, you'll break your hand. Same thing with a yeah. kick. You know, there's only certain ways yeah. to do stuff. Otherwise, you know, it's really all the same. Yeah. Did the did the yeah. pandemic, when it was going on, have much of an effect on your business then? Or did you have to close for a while or anything over there? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, just suffering just like any, anybody else. Uh, for the major part, the classes were, were, you know, less, you know, some of the privates because they were one-on-one continuing. Yeah. So that would continue too with a lot of weapons. I would, you know, during the pandemic, I started teaching more and more weapons because, you know, when you're swinging around a sword or, or a staff, you got, you got a good social distancing going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a couple of the guys like have, you know, I'm a big fan of using live swords. So when we're using live swords, we're, you know, you got to keep your distance or, you know, slow down, slow down. It's intense. It could be yeah. intense, you know? Yeah. Did any did did you ever see anyone hurting themselves? Not in your gym, we'll say, but anywhere else using swords or anything like that. You know, you always get hurt, but luckily, on like if I'm there on my watch, no, everybody makes sure that they're, you know, kind of. I keep reminding them, hey, it's like you got to respect the weapon and respect yourself, you know, and go slow because you know if you hurt somebody, then nobody's going to want to train with you, and then you're gonna you, then you when you want to train with somebody, no, you're not going to be able to because nobody wants to train with a jerk. <laughs> I just want to talk to you. I always talk to guests at entertainment about the convention world. And is it something that you enjoy doing? Do you get to do many of them and meet the fans from, I suppose, the Turtles franchise and Mortal Kombat as well? Yeah, actually, uh, I enjoy really going to events, you know, not only the traveling, because I've been to, you know, Europe, South America a lot. You know, yeah. so I've seen places that I never thought I would see. You know, and, and it's fortunate because it's on somebody else's, you know, somebody else is paying for the trip. You yeah. know, I went to see Machu Picchu like two years ago. And I, I, it's a dream of mine to go there to see that. But I thought I would never go because I'm not going to spend that type of money to go just to go to Machu mm-hmm. Picchu. You know, I'm not a, a risk guy or anything like that by all means, you know. But uh, but yeah, I really like traveling. And, and you know, I am a geek. So I used to collect comic books. You know, I like horror movies. I like anime. I enjoy all that. So when I go to an event, it's like hanging out with my people. <laughs> yeah. You get, you know, you get yeah. paid to you. Yeah. And they get surprised when they start mentioning something. And I'm like, oh, and then I mentioned something back. And they're like, you know about that? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, you know, I have this or that. Or, you know, or even, you know, uh, uh, you know, collecting th- stuff. Like I have like a, recently uh, I, I found like old toys that I had that I collected. So I have yeah. like. I have like original Jurassic Park or or uh, 
original like Batman figures, G.I. Joe figures that are all still in still in the box, never opened kind of boxes and boxes of them. So we yeah. could see you. We could see you on uh, Pawn Stars, maybe right. to sell them. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, in terms of then looking forward to the future and are you, are you planning on getting back into the acting world or do you have any projects that are coming up you can that you can tell us about or is there some secret projects going down well uh you know uh, at the beginning of uh last year uh i got to go to uh actually this this year i got, this yeah. year i was in england filming uh legends never die uh Johnny Cage, 30 years after, you know, how he was, because uh, he's being pursued uh, by the Black Dragon. Uh, so that film, uh, it, it's being edited. It's a little slower just because pandemic and stuff like that. But yeah. we're looking for that to come out probably mid-year. So, and that will be free on YouTube too. We're going to, because it is a fan film, you know, you can't okay. really make money on it, even though, you know, they spent uh, quite a bit uh, producing it. It's more like a bunch of geeks. You know, we all geeked out and made this movie. So we're going to have that coming out this yeah. year. And there's a couple other projects that, you know, if people follow me on social media, I can, you know, when it's time, I can say that. But I don't really pursue, like, acting stuff, you know, because I really enjoy martial arts. Though if somebody pr came to me with a, with, a, with a proper script or things like that, I might be interested in that. Just because, too, like, being a martial artist, like, and being older, I would rather, if there's going to be an action movie, just an action movie, you know, get somebody young to do it. You know, sure. If you need choreography, <laughs> if you need choreography in a specific sense, like a you want a geeky guy who knows like so much about martial arts that it's overwhelming, then you could hire me. But if you just want to make a brawling thing, you know, hire somebody else and give them a break. You know. Yeah. Listen, man, it was an absolute pleasure to catch up with you today. I really enjoyed that chat. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Get some rest. Oh, I will. <laughs> Late. <laughs> yeah.